Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Boy, oh boy, Mom, you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4, a podcast where we take a nostalgic look at movies from different generational perspectives. I'm Peter, an 80s baby. Emily, a 90s baby. And we are reviewing A Night at the Roxbury, a 1998 comedy based on the SNL skits directed by John Fortenberry, starring Chris Kattan, Will Ferrell, and Molly Shannon. Two dim-witted brothers dream of owning their own dance club, or at least getting into the coolest and most exclusive club in town, the Roxbury. Yeah, all right. Well, Emily, thank you for joining me. This is our first official podcast together with you as a co-host. Yes, it's a little intimidating, but it'll be good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think I think you'll be great. But uh, this was your selection. Uh, tell me your history about uh, with this movie. So my history with this movie, I guess, would be it's really, uh, like you said, nostalgic. It's nostalgic to me because um, it was one of the first comedy movies I was introduced to as a kid. And um, it's just been in my family for so long. We referenced it for many years. And I think I like rewatched it not too long ago, maybe a few years ago um, when I was in high school. And... I just forgot about how great it was, like how funny it was and how many like iconic actors were in it. So I just thought it'd be kind of interesting to, uh, you know, just kind of go in depth with this movie, I guess. I don't, I don't know what to say. Because, <laughs> yeah, it has a lot of depth, this movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, wh- how early did you watch this movie? Do you recall? Uh, probably like five years old, to be honest. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, the reason I asked that because uh, this is a PG thirteen movie, um, and it, you know it's got language. There was an f bomb dropped that I was surprised with, and you, you know usually you could you know drop some f bombs with uh, PG thirteen movies, yeah. but also there's there's a scene with nudity. Yes, there was. I didn't notice that until maybe like the fifth time I've watched it. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, you know, it shows a a topless woman at a uh, at a party, you know, in the swimming pool, and I think it shows her twice, at least yeah, once. Yeah, once sure. or twice. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then the, the, the there, there's a sex scene which I don't think that you know was bad, but I didn't expect it at all. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, oh, okay, well, there's that. At least it but, wasn't really it wasn't really like that graphic though. Like it didn't no. show anything. So. No, not not at all. I mean, and, and your your two, you know, Molly Shannon and Will Ferrell, they, you know, they, there's nothing <laughs> to be shown there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But PG thirteen, do you think that still that still works? I mean, uh, the, the nudity, you know, I think that's fine because Titanic was PG thirteen, and we got a lot more there. I agree, I agree. Yeah. So uh, this movie, I it, this is the first time I've seen this movie in full. Um, going back and well, watching it for this review, there were very little scenes that I actually recall having ever seen you know even in passing changing channels and what have you Mm -hmm. i think i kind of remember the scene where they're walking down the street you know wearing like black clothes oh yeah with their walkmans yeah yeah they're (laughs) marty mcfly walkmans um so have you ever had a walkman no i never had one i wish i had one you've always had an uh ipod i actually like just recently got an ipod 
for the first time <laughs> yeah oh okay yeah oh, look at that uh yeah so i kind of remember that scene and i remember some of the club scenes but that could also be mixed in with like what i remember from the snl yeah a lot of um, people have seen just like the head bobbing like in the car that's like what everyone knows from that movie i i guess didn't Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they use um, the opening scene like in the trailer too, where uh, Chris Kattan, who plays uh, Doug, he um, like breaks the the mirror? Yeah. Or, or I mean, the not window. the mirror, the, the window. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that happened in the trailer. So yeah. Uh, so I kind of remember that. Uh, okay, yeah. let's talk about uh, some of the actors that make an appearance in this movie. So Chris Kattan plays Doug, and Will Ferrell plays Steve uh, Batabi. They're both brothers. Um, Lonnie Anderson plays their mom. Dan Hadea is uh, is their dad. Molly Shannon is she's not a neighbor, right? She just works nearby. Yeah, she's just the next door. So um, she she plays you, Emily. Um, <laughs> her dad is really a nobody. Uh, Richard Greco plays himself in this movie. That was uh, really surprising to see. Um, and Michael Clark Duncan, rest in peace, plays uh, <laughs> the bo- uh, the bouncer at Roxbury. Yeah some other notable people uh without getting you know too much into it mm-hmm. um we got chaz palmentary as uh mr zadir mm-hmm. uh he returns here on hydrate level four he was previously in the last dragon which we also covered um matter of fact the dad too the dad and also one of the uh the girls that they hook up with uh it's uh, elisa donovan who plays Camby. they were both in clueless together Hmm. So returning there too. Do you know who they played or anything from Clueless? Um, I've only seen Clueless like once. So. Oh, okay. Well, um, the the father in here played the father in Clueless, oh, and okay. uh, can be one of the girls, the, the like the con woman. Yeah. The the redhead. She yeah. was like the kind of like the villain in uh, Clueless. I think I remember that. I think I remember watching Clueless and being like, oh, she looks familiar. Yeah, so they're both in this movie as they were both in Clueless. So that was uh, interesting to see, too. So mm-hmm. I wonder if they went on. <laughs> well, and the fun thing is the the dad, he plays the same dad from Clueless. Like, he hasn't changed. Yeah, he has, like, the same character, basically. The same character. The, the only difference is the job. Like, in here, I guess he's a florist. But in the other movie, he's a lawyer. Yeah. And every time I show this movie to someone, they're always super surprised at, like, uh, Eva Mendez, Eva Mendez. I don't know how to mm-hmm. pronounce that. They're always surprised that she's in it because she makes such a like small appearance. But like when I was watching the movie with my friend last night, he's like, "Oh my gosh, is that Eva Mendez?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's." <laughs> it's like weird to me because it's like it's normal, but like to everyone else, they're like super surprised that she's in it because it's like such a small appearance. Right. I, I think that's what it is. It's just because like people didn't really start recognizing her until like a training day. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, Hitch, you know, and things like that. So, yeah, yeah the, the latter stuff. Uh, I was surprised to see her, too, and for as little of a role as she played, uh, because she plays a bridesmaid, and we we are only introduced to the Emily character, but we don't see her friends or anything like that. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of weird just to see her show up and then, like, oh, this is supposed to be, like, one of her besties, you know, yeah. so... Um, Okay, so let's talk a little about a uh, little bit about our main characters, Doug and Steve. So uh, these guys are not very bright, um, <laughs> and according to the uh, Wikipedia, they are wealthy Yemeni American brothers. I'm I'm not sure why they are 
ethnic. Okay, I I didn't I didn't know there was supposed to be. I don't know if that's yeah, supposed I to be like some kind of that um, either. That's kind of weird. I I wonder if it's a like a stereotype, you know, because like uh possibly the hair and then like the clothes. I wonder if they're like overplaying the stereotype of of somebody from the Middle Eastern kind of. I like, don't know because I remember my brother having the same haircut as Will Ferrell in that movie in the nineties, so. Okay, so I, I must have missed that there, that, <laughs> that fashion. I, I I guess I've had spiky hair like all my life. Um, <laughs> I've only started growing it out like in the last year or two. Oh my gosh. Uh, um, okay, so this movie is obviously known for its uh, song, What is Love by, yep. by Hathaway. And they're also known for their head bopping, you know, head bopping in unison, you know, yep. inside the club. Um and for whatever reason, they they always fail miserably on uh, picking up women. Yeah. And I don't know what it is, but they I I feel like not that they're God's gift to women, but I <laughs> I don't know why they're so. I I'm trying to pinpoint like where did it go wrong for these brothers? You know that that, that they're just not very bright. Um, the family seems to be pretty well off because they live in a huge house. Even yeah. The, the guest house is like a mansion itself. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're spoiled. So they're not well mannered, and um, their bedroom is like amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They share a bedroom still because it's so big, and well, yeah. and they're they they could be twins. You know, like they could be fraternal twins. Yeah. But they don't mention that. They might as well be. You know, yeah. they're basically joined at the hip and they do everything the same. Yeah, plus, they look so close in age, too. So, yeah, I, I'm sure they are. Yeah. So by day, the brothers work at their their father's place, which is, I guess, is actually an artificial plant. store. Yeah, it's a fake plant store. <laughs> because and like later on, uh, Steve mentions how, you know, like the the flowers will never wilt. And so because they last forever yeah. right, because of what it's made. <laughs> So yeah. that's a very interesting business that, uh, that that they can make that much money off of it. Yeah. And it always it always seems that like their clientele always seems to be like rich people or like older people. Right. So yeah. That could be that. because of the, the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, perhaps of where it is. Um, then at night, they always try to hit. Well, they hit the clubs, but the, the one club they can never get into is the Roxbury. And it's like this Mecca, you know, that they just can't get to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some scenes with, uh, Doug calling who he calls the credit vixen, you know, any mm-hmm. chance he gets, you know, he'll play, play, uh, there, well, there's the one scene where he's at the register and he's telling the customer like, Oh, but this card's bad. And it really fooled me. I was like, what an idiot. Like how has he <laughs> been working at his dad's, you know, uh, store here that yeah. he doesn't know how to work the, the, the credit card machine. And they got me. So, you know, the, the <laughs> operator picks up and they start flirting. I go, oh, mm-hmm. it's, you know, he uses this as a device. Just it's way the, the only way that he can talk to this to talk girl. To her, yeah. Right. I just think it's really funny that he, like, memorizes her uh, operator Stitching. number. Yeah. yeah. Two, 238 or something. Yeah. I, I To me, I was kind of like... Well, I, I guess he is calling like a specific like department, and he just yeah. asks for two, three, eight. I go, that seems like a really small extension, you know, to to be asking for. But no, it it makes sense because it's not like just a like the operator. He's calling. Yeah. He's actually calling like the the credit uh, place here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he he has a, you know, that's kind of a sweet relationship that they have. You know that. She doesn't get to see what he looks like or how he acts. It's just like him flirting over the phone, you know. She, yeah. I, I guess she kind of finds it a little charming. So mm-hmm. that's basically the movie right there. 
and, and I guess we can go ahead and just go, go, go through our notes and, and pick out some of the things we w- want to talk about. Okay, so one of the things I did like was the the opening the opening credits, you know, where it's got this um kind of like a like a slow mo panning of of uh the nightlife, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's the club or the street, it kind of gives you like that sense of impairment, you know, like you've yeah. you've had a couple of drinks already. <laughs> yeah. Kind of sets the mood a little bit that that this movie is um may not make a lot of sense as if you were drunk. Um <laughs> Uh, and I thought this was going to be important, and it kind of is, I guess. But we get like uh, like those little, you know, title cards or whatever that that tells you where they are. They're at the billboard yeah. first off at eleven thirty two, and that kind of took me back a little bit. That um, you know, when I used to go clubbing a lot, we would always go like towards midnight. It would never be at ten when the club opens or anything like that. Huh. But uh, but clubbing is this something you've done or do? I've gone to like one underage club and it was at like 9 p.m., 10 p.m., something like that. But it was kind of weird. I'm obviously not, I'm not old enough yet to go into a actual club. So I can imagine it being a lot different than an 18 plus club, like going to an actual club. It's, it's a lot different. <laughs> you, you get some liquid courage everyone's having a lot more fun yeah. and people are probably uh dancing a lot more i, I would imagine uh, compared to the underage um the one that you went to was at the zone um yes it was oh see i <laughs> i know a little bit about the zone see, in my day they called it the quest mm. and um the cool kids would call it the queasy <laughs> the queasy <laughs> which well, I mean, because you know that's that's when uh you know Snoop Dogg was coming up with his Izzles and Easies, you oh, know, and gosh. so um yeah, that's that's where I would used to frequent. Uh, I started going there when I was fifteen. Oh wow, that's young. And I like. Yeah, yeah. So I used to <laughs> go clubbing a lot. Uh, between the ages of fifteen and nineteen, is when I used to hit up the Quest, and then. Uh, well, I guess after that, I was like on active duty, military, so I was bouncing around all over mm-hmm. the place. And a lot of the places that um, I would go to then actually had uh, places where it was 18 and over. Um, mm-hmm. And so like 18 to 20, you'd have to have the big X's marked on your hands. Mm-hmm. So that way, if you're drinking, you know, you can see the X's and then you'd get kicked out. So, <laughs> so yeah, after 19, I was you know, in different states and stuff like that. That's that's what most of the clubs were like. Huh. And then and then twenty one, I was hitting up. Uh, you, you don't know any of these clubs, so I <laughs> don't need to go there. Yeah. But um, so you've only gone clubbing just the one time. Yeah, just once. I'm and not. Did, I'm not too crazy when it comes to stuff like that. So. Not not a dancer. I'm a dancer. I can, I can get down when needed, but <laughs> but not okay. Okay. not like not too frequently i like to have a good time but it's it's not like all the time like every weekend type of thing so okay so you get down you're not you're not the the head bopper um (laughs) or the sandwich freaker or i don't know what you call that move that they do i get i i don't know i'm i'm a head bopper just not all the time sure okay (laughs) yeah um so there's a scene they're dancing in the car and they're voguing i love that part do you? My favorite part. <laughs> yeah, that's one of your favorites? Okay. T- yeah. Tell me why is it one of your favorites? Is it just because they're voguing or what, what is it about that scene? It's just, 
it's one of like the things that I remember the most like mostly from like seeing that movie my first time like growing up that's like something that my brothers and I would like joke about so there's that and then also it's just it makes me laugh so much and it really it just sets up for what the movie is gonna be like where it's just kind of like doesn't really make sense sometimes and shows it like I don't know I think it just kind of foreshadows what kind of characters that Steve and Doug are so okay I like that I mean I mean let's be honest this is a a, an SNL skit you know they had to extend it right Mm -hmm. they 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 barely made an hour and a half uh, on this movie yeah so they they really this is a short movie, uh, th- th- but I'll tell you what, I'll, I'm spoiling this a little bit, but there's a lot of missed opportunities here. Like this could have been, um, in my opinion, more of a, of a classic. Like I, I understand you grew up with this and, mm-hmm. um, but I'm just like, man, well, this scene here could have been uh, a lot differently. And yeah. so um, I, I looked up the, the writer and I am not impressed with um, some <laughs> of his, you know, previous uh, work here. I know he did Superstar, which is another movie um, I've yet to see because uh, I'm not a huge fan of that particular skit anyway. Yeah. But just to throw out a couple movies that this um that this guy has written, he's also done Jack and Jill, which uh, I thought was a terrible movie. <laughs> Do you like that movie? Oh. No, I'm just... Oh, yeah. That, I mean, it's kind of an Adam Sandler movie, so a lot of Adam Sandler's stuff has kind of gone downhill. Yeah. So he did click. That's that movie made me cry. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> click was okay. Click was okay. Um, it was a ripoff of uh, Stay Tuned. Um, yeah, I guess he also did uh, A Thousand Words, the Eddie Murphy movie. I don't know if you saw that. I never saw that actually. Yeah, I thought that movie had like a good idea, but it was also like bad. Uh, not Jack and Jill bad, but. Um, it wasn't good. So this this writer, he uh, doesn't have a lot of stuff that I'm not big on here. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, you know, the the one thing I did see, though. Um, OK, so this movie is filled with music, right? It's about two yeah. brothers that, that like to go clubbing. It, yeah. it did take me back. I mean, this is 1998, right? This is mm-hmm. about the time I was going clubbing. And so a lot of these music took me back to that special place so so in a sense it was nostalgic for me too i guess it'd be hard to ask like uh if you recognize any of these songs because this is like one of your favorite movies right Mm -hmm. so you know all the songs do you recognize any of these songs from going clubbing i do um my favorite one is um a little bit of ecstasy by jocelyn enriquez a little bit of ecstasy um, I, don't know. I forget what scene it was. I, I know it's one of the... I, I want to say it might be when they finally get into Roxbury. Oh, okay. Well, I'm usually really good about like listening or hearing the song and then like pinpointing which scene it was used in. Maybe if you got some sleep last night, you would have <laughs> been able to re- recall that better. Yeah. Um, but... I don't remember that song. That's so weird. Oh, wow. Shame on you. <laughs> this is not one of your favorite movies at all because you Obviously don't recognize not. that song. <laughs> I saw it one time and that song came on. I'm like, Jocelyn Enriquez, a little bit of ecstasy. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, 
that song is one of my favorite songs from back in the day. I mean, Jocelyn Enriquez is a, a Filipino artist. And, you know, in my uh, in the early, well, all of the 90s, I listened to a lot of uh, music that we called freestyle, which is very similar to a lot of these dance songs. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Jocelyn Enriquez being Filipino, I'm Asian. Uh, I just listened to a lot of those type of artists because it wasn't, um, that music wasn't like a lot of the songs that were on the radio, you know, mm-hmm. the, the radio was fine. You know, you had your hip hop, you had your pop, but these dance songs, this is the stuff that you would hear in the clubs. So that's why. Um, I wish I could go clubbing in the 90s. It, it sounds like you, fun. You know what? Wait until you're of age. You can go to the Crystal Ballroom where they have 90s night. Oh, yeah. They have like 80s and 90s night. Eight, yeah. Yeah. So um, for one of my uh, birthdays, I went to 90s night with a group of friends and I showed up with uh, overalls with one strap down. <laughs> Classic. I was pretty cool. Um, I can imagine. <laughs> this sounds like a little shade there. <laughs> no. Um, all right. Okay. So the second club that they go to is called Mud Club. And this is not even 45 minutes later. So... Just a few minutes into this movie, I'm already picking up a few things here. I think I know where your Twitter name comes from. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's exactly right. Where so, I... so this. Uh, so, why don't you tell the listeners here about this? Uh, this, this. It's not a pickup line, right? It's just a story that it's they like to tell. It's just a story that they're trying to like use to like get girls to talk to them. I guess I don't know. So, like, they're waiting outside. I I think it's either just the one club or like multiple clubs because i i think that they did this outside of the roxbury yeah so it was the two clubs that they were doing this at and um so anyways i'm standing there waiting to use the payphone so i'm standing there waiting to use the payphone yeah he was seriously and this guy who's on the phone turns around and tips his hat like this and who do you think that guy was and who do you think that guy was? Emilio Estevez. The mighty Duckman, I swear to God, I was there. I was like, Emilio! 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 The club is closed, folks. So he's, like, emphasizing the fact that they got to meet Emilio Estevez or whatever. Whether I don't know if it's true or not. Didn't really specify, but... You really yeah. question if it's true or not? I I mean, <laughs> it's, it's Stephen. It's Stephen Doug. They're questionable on. characters, so. <laughs> but yeah, but it's just funny because it like the girls are like not impressed at all. They're just like annoyed and they don't want to talk to them. <laughs> well, you know what? Now that I think about it, it, I, I guess it's possible because I mean they met Richard Grieco. Yeah, I I guess, and they're on that side of town anyways. So I think it's they're probably going to be meeting famous people anyways, but Richard Grieco was like a main person that they met like multiple times, or he was in the movie multiple times, but. Um, are you familiar with him at all? I've seen maybe like one movie with him in it. But I know one? that I know that he's like from 21 Jump Street, the original. Right. Um, what was the movie that you saw him in? I, I don't remember. I just think about it. I like saw him in a movie and I was like, oh, Richard Grieco from Night at the Roxbury. <laughs> like, that's what I identify him as. The um, the only movie I've seen him in, uh, other than, uh, I guess, the, you know, the, the cameo in 22 Jump Street was uh, If oh, Lips yeah. Can Kill. Probably don't, probably I never think, heard of that one. No, I think that's what I did see him in, though, was 22 Jump Street. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> right. So, so not even like yeah. an early work. It was yeah, a cameo. Yeah, it was just, yeah. <laughs> not even. Yeah, it, um, it looks can kill. It was like, it came out like in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like, uh, you know, he was like in high school and I, th I think he was in high school and it was kind of like spy-ish, you know, but so like a kid, spy, James Bond kind of thing, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly. So that's the only thing I remember him from. I'm not, um, you know, familiar with his character on, on 21 Jump Street. But yeah, I thought it was very interesting that uh, he plays himself here. Uh, I wonder how different he is in real life because the, the way Doug and Steve meet him is uh, Richard Grieco rear ends him. <laughs> and like to get out of a lawsuit or a potential lawsuit, uh, mm -hmm. he it's like, you know, what can I do for you guys? And they're like, well, we saw you at, you know, at the Roxbury last night. Can you get us in? <laughs> and that's that's their way in. They just kind of use him as a as a way to get in. When they yeah. saw they saw him earlier and they were like pretending to be friends with him because they were trying to get the bouncer to let them in by like bribing him with money right. and stuff. So um so yeah, and Andrew and then, Jackson. Yeah, yeah. That's I was, I was a couple of George for Washingtons. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And the... hey, good man, how's it going tonight? Good. You still can't come in. Well, that's not what a friend of mine told me. Maybe you know him. His name is Abraham. You don't know. What about his two friends, George Washington and? George Washington. Let's not forget the other boy in the band. George Washington. He's a little lonely, wants to join his buddies. And look who else we got. Uh, Roosevelt, Roosevelt, and Jefferson. God, that part's funny, too. It's just like, yeah, and then Richard Grieco comes rolling up, and then he gets into the club automatically because he's Richard Grieco, and then the boys are just like, hey, see you later, Grieco. And they're like pretending like they know him when they're just like, they just want to get in. So the the money scene, like, I, I, I thought it was, you know, mildly funny. I, I, I get it. But I was like, are they really that cheap? I mean, don't they have money? Well, the only reason why they did it was because they saw someone else do it right in front of them. And the bouncer let them in. He did like a handshake where he had the money in his hand and he like okay yeah i got it because afterwards they had to go to the atm because they didn't have so they they don't carry cash is what it is okay yeah i mean yeah. how else is is doug supposed to call the credit vixen right right okay right. okay so that, that makes sense now so that's that's why you're here you have to explain these things to me uh, I, I clearly missed that but yeah so they, they just didn't have enough money in their pockets um but enough to get in obviously because they i guess they rely on cards mm -hmm. so um okay the, let's talk a little bit about the the scene where um steve gets pulled over uh by this uh what what does he call her hottie like, um, cop or hottie police officer <laughs> Yeah, and I did recognize her at first, but not until, you know, we're, we're going to, it's okay, we'll, I'm sure people have seen this or haven't seen this, but we're going to kind of jump around. But she mm -hmm. comes back later on at the end, and when she was, you know, dolled up, I go, okay, it's Stifler's mom. Yeah, so, that that's exactly this, what my friend said, too, when we were watching it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It is, it's sad that she's kind of, 
only known as that, that but yeah but i mean american pie like who hasn't seen that movie and know the whole thing between stiff you know stifler and um finch you know finch right yeah finch and stifler's mom so mm-hmm. so i did recognize her from that um she was also in i want to say both Le- legally blonde with reese witherspoon um uh, yeah she was she was in there yeah. oh no oh I, I was wondering if you knew but maybe you haven't seen that no i was i was just looking oh uh, it's, it's academy award winning <laughs> you have cheating. not seen legally blonde uh i've seen bits and pieces <laughs> a little bit <laughs> so he was going how uh how fast was he going in the speed limit going he was going 50 in something in, in a I, I don't remember how fast he was going. Okay, so so basically he was speeding, and uh, Doug is all like, yeah, she's totally into you. I'm like, where did you even kinda get like, that? Kind of like wingman. Yeah. They're tr- for him. They're tr- he, yeah, so Doug's really trying to get him to hit on this this police officer, and <laughs> I thought it was funny because, like, you, you get the sense that she's not like, oh, this, you know, she's kind of flattered. Like, you, you, you get that sense. Yeah. So but she's I thought also that was like very trying to be serious. Right, right, exactly. She's you know doing her job. She's uh, being professional, and then so like Steve gets his ticket. Go, my friend. You got her badge number. Plus a month from now, you got a date to meet her at the municipal state court. Up, yeah, very nice. Oh, what was the point of that? Sorry. Then they're like completely dismissing that he just got a ticket. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, these are the guys that you're dealing with here. So I, I guess that's fine. Um, <laughs> what do you think about the, the morning where they wake up, the whole red vine scene? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's, like, so obnoxious. It's, like, in a good way, though. Like, it makes me laugh. But um, I thought it really showed how dumb Will Ferrell's character was. Uh, I mean... Because I feel like Doug in the movie tries to, like, take the wheel of things, even though he never, like, drives a car. But he's always the one, like, trying to plan things out and, like, figure out how to do things and stuff. And he's really trying to get into the Roxbury. But, like, Steve is just kind of, like, there with them. He's like, yeah, okay, you know, just kind of, like, in his own world. And he doesn't, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like Doug tries to pick what's good and what's not good for him like when Emily like tries to um hit on him and stuff um and then like Doug just completely dismisses him or her and um so I feel like like the the red vine scene it shows like how dumb Steve is when like Doug is like oh that was in my nose and like he's eating on the end that he like stuck in his nose when he was sleeping so it's just kind of like oh gosh (laughs) Yeah, it they they're obviously playing tropes, right? The um, you yeah. know, Doug is the short guy. Uh, Will Ferrell playing Steve is the taller guy, who's usually you know more dumb, right? Like Pinky in the Brain. Yeah. You know, so um, you know Abbott and Costello and all these other duos that you're familiar with, and usually the you know the the the, the taller guy is usually the the dumber one. Yeah. So. Uh, one thing this movie has is a lot of nods and references to other movies, uh, which kind of bothered me because I'm like, okay, well, do you have nothing to do in this scene, so you have to reference something else to make it funny. So there's a scene yeah. where they totally rip off like Saturday Night Fever, 
um, specifically, you know, and a lot of movies do this too. So they're not the only one, but it's where mm-hmm. they're walking and you start with, you know, start with the, with their feet and then you pan up and you even got the Saturday night fever song on. And, mm-hmm. um, one of the things I do like is when they hit on the girls and, uh, they get denied. And my, <laughs> my favorite thing of theirs is I'm not a big fan of the nose scratching thing. Uh, I yeah. I think that's not like some kind of twitch that they got from like um constantly um trimming their nose hairs with the electric yeah. trimmer. Yeah, I I don't know cuz they they do that same same gesture there uh when they trim their nose hairs. But yeah. uh the head bopping gets annoying and I feel I feel like throughout uh high school it was mostly women that did that, like the girls. I think it was always the girls that were imitating that to be funny. I I don't think the guys did that that much. Really? Do you find yourself doing it more than guys? Um, I know that whenever, like, I mention Night at the Roxbury, like, someone will do it. Like, oh, you did the head bop thing. That's that movie, right? And, like, that's, like, the only time someone will do it. <laughs> so. Maybe it's just more noticeable when girls do it, though. I, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like in high school, maybe maybe I had more uh friends that were girls that were funnier than guys i guess you know that because they they would do things like that i remember mm-hmm. one girl would always like um constantly quote um austin power lines you know oh yes um, austin powers <laughs> but yeah I, I i i like those movies um i think they're <laughs> a lot funnier but 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 the thing that i like is when they're like oh you're talking to me me him you you know that thing uh yeah, yeah that i like oh you know um so i i think that is probably my favorite trait of theirs characteristic whatever you want to call it they don't do it that much though which i wish they did yeah, yeah. you know maybe that's why i do like it because they don't do it that often I, maybe you're right maybe they only like do it like say, two less times is more yeah L- so less is more. I, I like that that i can probably do and think it's funny <laughs> i mean <laughs> i don't know if i can uh eh, i don't know um back at their dad's shop so we already talked about how you know i thought that doug was really not so keen on working the register which mm-hmm. was you know kind of a it was a way to call the uh, the, the credit operator there but um there's an, another scene that they completely ripped out of another movie but it's when doug is playing with the um what is it those the, those little figurines that i think go on uh wedding cakes oh yeah is that what yeah. they were right it, it looked like yeah that yeah so that scene was also like in space balls did you ever see that i never saw that movie i know don't give me that look i know <laughs> no <laughs> yeah the, you need to watch space balls that's that's pretty amazing <laughs> you want to see a funny movie watch space balls um not that oh. this isn't funny i'm completely throwing shade uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that's where that came from. Um, so we meet Emily. We we kind of touched on her a little bit earlier. Um, mm-hmm. You want to talk a little bit about her character and how straightforward and... Um, <laughs> yeah. The... Are you doing this because my name is Emily or... Sure, why not? It... <laughs> it, that, that fits. Okay. Um, I never made that connection. Yeah, so basically... <laughs> Basically, she's uh, introduced when uh, Steve and Doug are loading up the van uh, with some fake flowers. And let's, she... let's be let's be clear: Steve was loading the van. Doug was throwing 
flowers at the van. Like he was okay, completely yeah. missing. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know if it was on purpose or he's just a bad he was thrower. Doing a very poor job. <laughs> I just think yes. that he didn't want to do his job. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was yeah, funny. So yeah, it was. It was. I just it's just so funny. It's like subtle and it's like in the background and uh, I don't know. Anyways, um, Emily worked at the uh, is it like a light bulb store or like a lamp. It's a lamp store. Uh, next door to the fake plant store and uh, she comes running out and she says that she's back from college or something and she's talking to uh, Steve uh, Butabi and she's you know hitting on him and um, she seems to be like nice to Doug too but like Doug just doesn't care about her and like doesn't like her and he doesn't want his brother like to be with her or anything so like Emily's just like hitting on him and stuff and like throughout the movie she kind of makes small appearances and like compliments Steve and tries to seduce him I guess and eventually she does uh, go out on a date with him and um, she just happens to be like in different places at certain times like at the same time that they are I notice like when they're working out and also just when they're when they're at work which would make sense because they work next door to each other. <laughs> so. Do you think uh, that Doug's problem with her is that he just feels threatened by her? That if, yeah. uh, if Steve hooked up with her, then, you know, there would be no Butabi brothers, no wingman. Yeah, because Emily has different, like, aspirations, and she has different goals than the two brothers. So I think that Doug would be scared that, like, she would draw him away from, like, trying to open his own nightclub and stuff but like they're so focused on like expanding their business and trying to get get married or whatever so um so there's the scene where they're getting ready uh you know doing the hair the the nose trimming oh, yeah, which the I mentioned. montage the montage so that was also taken from a saturday night fever um I, I feel like a lot of movies were have you seen saturday night fever i haven't but i feel like i should now since <laughs> it... you want to see the references yeah yeah it's um it's not for everybody you know it's it's a product of its time but uh i i actually like watching it um it's not it's not a hard watch or it's not an easy watch because there's some scenes that are a little little hard to watch that's what i was mm-hmm. trying to say so there are some scenes that are a little hard but um overall i, I think the movie's fine it's not like uh like a huge classic or anything mm-hmm. i love the soundtrack though it's got amazing music from the 70s um but i just i love all types of music so so for me, I wanted to watch it because I wanted to see what life, nightlife was kind of like in the 70s. I don't know how different it was from the, um, you know, like how dramatized it actually was. I mean, mm-hmm. but the music I thought I thought was just amazing. So that made it easier for me to watch. Uh, I, I just I'm trying to be vague here because if you do watch it, I don't want to, you know, spoil anything. Spoil anything. Exactly. Yeah. But John Travolta, young John Travolta, I don't know if if you think he's handsome or anything like that, but um yeah so some of the dancing scenes are just kind of like well that was a move that was a thing but I, <laughs> I enjoy it I enjoy it you know I mean I've been dancing as early as you know 14 15 you know so I enjoy watching people dance you know it and it, it was a it was a different decade you know so it, it was very interesting to see that actually on film you, you can go on YouTube and just watch like the dance moves so mm-hmm. um I don't know maybe I can find some clips and just send them your way if you don't want to actually watch the entire movie I'll probably watch the movie. So let's talk about when they finally get to the Roxbury. So they get 
Richard Grieco uh, to to bring them in as guests because you know he rear-ended them. Um, mm -hmm. Mr. Zadir, I, what what is this? What is his deal about asking people if they grabbed his butt? You grab my ass. No. You want to? No. Should I? <laughs> okay, continue. Hey, who grabbed my ass? Did you grab my ass? No, sir, I did not grab your ass. It's okay if you did. I understand. Dewey, did you just grab my ass? Sir, from where I'm standing, that's a physical impossibility. Uh, I know your tricks, Dewey. Mr. Sadir, Dewey just called from Pismo Beach. He says there's no way he could have grabbed your ass. What is he up to now? I don't have an explanation for that. That's like one thing that I don't really care for in the movie is that that type of humor and that like like him asking every five minutes like did you just touch my butt you know but I thought that was kind of overused and I didn't I just didn't think it was funny to begin with but um I don't know if like he has like a like a problem or like <laughs> clearly <laughs> like he a, does <laughs> I I don't even know uh, but he has his own nightclub so I don't I don't I don't know he has multiple nightclubs he must be doing something right right yeah. yeah did you um did you recognize his assistant Dewey played by Colin Quinn um I've heard the name I've I don't really recognize him from anywhere but I know that I've heard his name I before. I only know him from SNL he uh I think he does like the is it the weekend updates or something uh mm. Okay, so the brothers, they they obviously have this aspiration to open up their own nightclub. And Mr. Zadir here, this is, I guess this is their way to make that happen, right? Um, mm -hmm. So they sit down, they, they talk with him, and they give him some ideas. Uh, but at the same time, we got these uh, two women that spot them from, from a ways away. And... Uh, I guess they're con women. Uh, you don't know exactly what they're up to, uh, but they they see the but uh, Batabi brothers and immediately think they must be you know worth something, right? To be talking to mm -hmm. Mr. Zadir. So so now you get that they're uh, clearly um, gold diggers. Yeah. Uh, you you like this scene, right? With, with the with the girls. I thought it was really funny. I thought it was kind of. I thought it was funny because the brothers again like showed who like what kind of characters they are or they're just kind of like you know the the way the girls were dancing were really like graceful and like obviously they kind of knew what they were doing but the boys were just like not <laughs> not graceful at all <laughs> and just kind of all over the place see i i kind of like uh that that contrast you know in the dancing styles you, you mentioned that the, the the girls were graceful and i i got that that was you know pretty um at, at times could have been seductive but the guys when they start dancing i i get the whole they can't dance thing but yeah. the look on chris chris Catan's face it, it it looks like he's like um like this is painful for him you know yeah. to, to make these moves so i didn't <laughs> quite get that but the thing that makes me roll my eyes is when movies like this have like the synchronized dancing you know like uh do you ever see white chicks? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So th there's that scene where they're battling and then like, uh, I, for <laughs> I forget the character's name, but the, the actual white girls, you know, when they're dancing yeah. against the Wayne brothers, they had their synchronized dancing. And I'm like, okay, you know, one of those things. If it was a dance movie, I get it. You know, I can forgive that, but I'm just like, 
come on these guys they they can they they never get into roxbury uh they just met meet these girls and then there's this yes i don't know that that was a little much for me yeah but they got a lot of attention in the club they sure did i they sure (laughs) did uh i i will credit the girls for the attention (laughs) (laughs) not not so much for the uh, butabi brothers yeah do you have any thoughts on the on the limo ride so on the limo ride, Cammy or Camby, Vivica, the club owner, and the Butabi brothers are all riding in the limo. That uh, Dewey Dewey's driving the limo, and um, they're like making jokes. And the two girls like this is where they're like starting to like finally be like alone with the boys, and they're trying to like get to know them. And uh, they just seem really like high maintenance and. Um, they're making a lot of references to things that I'm. I think if I would have known anything that they were referencing to, I probably could have enjoyed the scene a little bit more. But I didn't like Joni loves Chachi. Like I don't really know what that is. Um, and uh, they also tried to like. I feel like they tried to be funny when um, the limo driver Dewey when uh, he rolls up the window and um, like. Uh, Doug says like oh I tell your mom I had a good time last night because like apparently he can't hear with the window up and then Steve being stupid he's like yeah and your dad and then everyone's just kind of like uh what (laughs) they tried a little bit hard like I feel like they could have went without the limo ride to the the quickie mark but up until like that point I think it was that part could have been taken out I feel like it didn't need to be there um, I kind I, I kind of agree with you. Yet, yes and no. Uh, for me, I see why it was in there. It's because see, and this is one of those missed opportunities. Is because we meet Dewey, and like you know, they're they're clearly messing with the guy, right? Mm-hmm. And Dewey later on, he even um when they go to see Mister uh, Zadir for that meeting, mm-hmm. Dewey uh you know kind of stops him. Like, well, look, you know he. I, I deal with guys like you over the weekend all the time. And on Monday, I'm always, you know, throwing you guys out. And so clearly he doesn't want these guys to meet with meet with Mr. Zadir for whatever reason. That reason is unknown. So we never find that out. We don't ever get that story. Why does he have a problem with guys like this trying, you know, I, I, I get that's his job, you know, to protect Mr. Zadir from idiots. But, but why? You know what I mean? Like we never I, get get the the, the backstory I with, agree with him. With you. Yeah, so that that's why we have that scene with the limo is because that's kind of where it starts. Like uh, the, they're being pals with Mister Zadir. Now they're taking shots at this guy and talking about his parents. You know, and <laughs> uh, and he obviously, clearly, he was uh, upset about having to run all these errands. You know, because he is the having driver. Having to go get whipped cream. Yeah, or but. But that never pays off at the end, you know. It's it's because uh, after the guys get kicked out of Mister Zadir's building, you know, uh, uh, Dewey goes inside, and again we get the the, the butt joke again, you know. Mm-hmm. And I do like how uh, how Dewey says, "Sir, that is physically uh, a impossibility," <laughs> you know, from, from where he's standing. So yeah. I thought that was funny. But but we find that Mister Zadir was in fact like looking for the 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 Batabi brothers he's just like you know have you guys have you found the guys from last night yet so 
Zadir wants to see them. He obviously thinks that they, uh, they, their idea is, uh, is at least interesting. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Dewey, you know, made the choice himself to not even uh, allow this meeting to happen, I, I want to know why. Yeah, I, I agree. So I was, I had the same thoughts. Yeah, so it's just one of those things. Like, okay, well, you you had this, but but it doesn't pay off. I just think that maybe um, that uh, Dewey didn't want to deal with them because of the errands that he had to to run uh, the night before. Um, probably just be like he probably just didn't want to deal with them. Like, if he's working for Mister Zadir and Mr. Zadir wants to do business with them, then that means, like, Dewey's going to have to, you know, work for them, too. So he that's probably what he was avoiding. That's my guess. So he was just kind of, like, probably just annoyed with the way they were as people. Yeah. Yeah, he, um, you know, he's annoyed. He's uh, He thinks these guys are uh, immature. Yeah. And of, of most, of every character, see, I'm using that word because all these people in the movie are characters Dewey yeah. seems to be the only straight person there um yeah him and the bouncer you know michael clark duncan those are the mm-hmm. only two straight men like everybody else are some kind of like an exaggerated like character you know yeah uh, emily the, the brothers the parents you know mm-hmm. um who else is in here mr zadir for god's sake like <laughs> emily did you just touch my butt i mean you're i know you're at your house but like you know it's not like that <laughs> joke i mean Come on, yeah. like, was he on one the entire time? Like, I just, I didn't get it. Um, yeah. And, like, come on, Chaz. Like, I, this this guy was in Usual Suspects. You know, like, mm-hmm. why why did he do this movie? It's kind of like Jack and Jill, where you got Al Pacino. It's like, why are you in this movie? Mm-hmm. I just I just didn't get it. Um, You want to talk about Zadir's party, where uh, we get alone time with the girls? <laughs> so, the Butabi brothers the girlfriends i guess and then mr zadir show up at his house for his party and um one of the first thing mr zadir says when they roll up um you know the boys like compliment his house and then mr zadir's like oh it's just a place to hang my hat and i think that really shows what kind of person he is where like he's really wealthy obviously and it's a very nice house and there's tons of people there and there's a you know, loud music playing. And um, I guess uh, it kind of gets their chance, like another chance, uh, aside from being in the Roxbury, for the Butabi brothers to make a really good impression uh, because um, Mr. Zadir is complaining about how nobody's dancing and he spent, you know, thousands of dollars on, you know, this stereo system and stuff, but, um, you know, nobody's dancing. And so, Steve mentions to him that he should, which I think is kind of like a weird idea, is like putting glass over the swimming pool so that there's more quote unquote dancing real estate. And um, I just thought it was really funny. And I I think that was just, yeah, it it was funny. Like I can say it word for word, but it's just kind of like, oh, that'd be kind of weird. But I think people like, if I go, if I go to a party, I would like to swim. That sounds like, something fun to do not topless but (laughs) but um but yeah and so I think that like gives them kind of another chance to like throw ideas at Mr. Zadir yeah yeah so so you you get to see where 
you know, their, their minds are at work and Mr. Zadir is like, all right, these are, you know, some interesting ideas mm -hmm. to say the least. Yes. So then after that, um, the girls, uh, try to seduce the guys, uh, the Butabi brothers into coming into bedrooms by themselves where they can get alone time. And, uh, I, <laughs> I mean, I guess you can see where that goes after that but um they i i just thought it was kind of funny because uh throughout the whole movie they're the two brothers like come off as like super confident um really good with the ladies when they're really not and then like once it finally comes down to it they like don't know how to act and they don't know what to do they're both so. virgins yeah 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 uh, <laughs> i don't know if you knew this but um I, I don't listen to a lot of country, but can be. She actually used a line from um, from a song on, on Doug. She says, if I told you your body's beautiful, would you hold it against me? Mm. Right. It, yeah. yeah. I've heard that line multiple times. Oh, okay. yeah. It's a song. Yeah. And, huh. and that's that's actually the title of it is by the Bellamy Brothers. So I, I knew that because um, I was like, well, she just totally used a, a lyric to, I mean, it worked. I mean, he's. I'm sure he, I'm sure I'm sure there's no country Euro music. Uh, but yeah, they, the, the brothers, I, I thought it was funny because we, we see that they do a lot of things in unison and apparently they both last 42 seconds as well. <laughs> yeah, I thought that time card was kind of funny, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, the day after they're acting more mature, right? They're yeah. they're 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 total businessmen now, you know, they're trying to. Yeah fill out their schedule and uh, yeah they have books now for or, schedules and yeah. mugs with their names on it they mean business <laughs> they they do mean business uh doug even um i, I guess that so they're out they're at their dad's floral fake floral place and this lady mm -hmm. wants to check out and then like doug's like oh i'm sorry you know this registers clothes like wow <laughs> okay you know so so they're they're uh they're on that level now I guess. Yeah. They have different priorities. Yeah. Um, so what about when they get dumped by the girls? They, they uh, what was it? They went to go pick them up somewhere. Yeah. They, um, so they get into a fight, I believe, or Steve's trying to cheer up Doug. And so he like hands him, uh, Camby's phone number and tells, tells them to call her so that they can go out. And uh, so he's like, okay, like he kind of talks him into it and he calls them up. He, well, he tries to page her and <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> and then he finally gets a hold of her and he's like, he's just kind of like uh, flustered. He's like, I need to come see you right now. Where are you at? You know? And she's really confused. And she's like, I'm at the sky bar. Like what's going on? And he's like, Oh, okay. I'll, I'll be there soon. And he just hangs up and he like acts like super confident after that. Did you ever have a pager? I didn't. Um, yeah, have you ever seen those uh, huge cell phones before other than this movie? I've never seen those in real life, actually. Not in real life, but like what no. about like uh, other movies or TV shows? Other movies, yeah. Okay. Did and, you, and TV. Did you ever see uh, Saved by the Bell? I never watched that. Oh, okay. One of the characters hit that. That was one of his phones because he was rich. <laughs> um, so at that time, when those phones were around, they, yeah, if you had that phone, you you were wealthy, you know. 
Um, one of the uh, things that I learned while doing the very little research on this movie, but um, mm. the the actress who plays Vivica, the the one that hooks up with uh, Steve, uh, she's mm-hmm. married um, to Ted McGinley. Um, did you ever watch uh, Married with Children? I I didn't. Okay. <laughs> Uh, did you ever see Revenge of the Nerds? No. All right, moving on. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. You know, this this just shows, you know, the generational gap. And, and just kind of, you know, the, the Married with Children was before your time. W- way before your time, to, to be fair. Yeah. So. Okay, I don't feel as bad then. Yeah, it would have been in syndication anyway. So it, it's like Fantasy Island for me, you know, like way early, mm-hmm. way too early for me. Um. So they get in the fight uh, in the van, you know, and this I, I feel like it happens in every uh, Will Ferrell movie, you know, where where it's like a like a buddy movie. They always get in the mm-hmm. fight, but I do like the fight, um, like the physical fight, because uh, Doug is like threatening him with his fist, like you want some of this, yeah. you know? And you hear about this, huh? You want that? You want the real no. thing, huh? Do you want? The... No. Stop talking to me. Fine, my right. pleasure. So I, I, I like that exchange. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, and he's like, you know, making his brother flinch, right? And, like, and just like the verbal like abuse and stuff. God, it was just funny. <laughs> so after they have the fight, Doug goes clubbing by himself for a while, and uh, Steve continues to uh, work for his dad. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess Doug actually moves into the the guest house too, so they're you know, completely separated. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, this is when. Steve and uh, the Emily, they start dating more. And mm-hmm. and we get a little montage of that. And uh, we see that, like, Doug tries to bring Craig, his friend from the uh, Crunch Fitness. Uh, he tries now, to bring is him he there Is Craig their trainer, or is he... I think he's his trainer slash, okay. like, friend from Buddy. high school. Okay. Because... He mentions like you know he he's talking to them as as a friend or whatever, and he's like, "Hey guys, we're friends, right?" And he's like, "Yeah, all five years of high school, yeah, or all seven years of high school, something crazy I, like that." Have, but have you seen Craig in, in in anything else? Yeah, I have. Uh, I know him from Scary Movie. I'm trying the, to see what the parody. I know he was in there, but um, I'm not a fan of this guy. Like, there's something about his face. I don't know is. Am I wrong? But isn't his mouth like always open? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And just <laughs> yes. Lachlan Monroe. Um, but like I, the, the, those are the only two movies that come to mind. Was this one, which I I didn't know he was in, and uh, and Scary Movie, which I think came out in like two thousand. You know, the parody on on all scary movies, and mm-hmm. um, yeah. But he, he just seems to be playing the same kind of character, uh, but he's completely obsessed with uh you know working out you know he's always trying to get the Batabi brothers to to just put in that extra effort you know working out and then mm-hmm. you know we got the scene where uh emily you, you mentioned it earlier you know comes to the gym and talks with steve and clearly the craig is like into her you know he's talking about her glutes yeah. you know her her legs yeah. and all these stuff so <laughs> so he th- you know he's very attracted to her uh, workout ethics, I guess. And, yeah, and, and her and her personality. Yeah, yeah. So her overall body of work. You see what I did there? <laughs> Let's, wait, did that joke hit? No. 
<laughs> like, did that make sense or not? Like, it made sense in my head. Uh, I mean, I can see where you're coming from. <laughs> Body of work, you know, workout. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, Moving on. I get it. I get it. <laughs> okay. So there was a song that played during the Steve and Emily uh, montage, Careless Whispers. Do you know this song? Yes, I do. Which version are you more familiar with? Oh, I, I guess you do because of this movie. But uh, is this the only <laughs> version you've ever heard? Um. Have you heard the original? Is that not the original or is that the no, original this one's, in the movie? Uh, the one in the movie is by Tamiya. And this is actually the third version uh, that I've ever heard. The, oh. yeah, the original was uh, by, by Wham, uh, you know, George Michael and the other guy. You know, like, I don't know the other guy's name. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, that was a big hit in the 80s. And then Montel Jordan did a version his, uh, himself. Hmm. Do you know Montel Jordan? I, I don't. This is how we do it? Oh. This is how we do it. Mm-mm. See, yeah. So you know the song. This is uh, so, how we do it. Exactly. So that's Montel <laughs> Jordan. And um, and he also did a version of Careless Whispers. So I, I, I actually thought that was his version until the girl started singing. I'm like, mm. oh, well, who's this? And she kind of sounded like Brandy. That's be- me being racist, thinking all black people sound alike, I guess. <laughs> But uh, so I thought it was Brandy, but uh, I looked it up afterwards because, again, you know, I was definitely digging the, the music in this movie. But it's uh, mm-hmm. Tamia, who I'm also familiar with. Um, she was uh, one of my favorites uh, in the late 90s. So um, so we see Emily and Steve go on dates and stuff, and then we get that sex scene. Uh, and I think she is even quicker than 42 seconds in here. Yeah. And- I just think it's kind of weird. She, like, she gets off to looking into business stuff and like oh. I don't know she she's just she I don't know that she mentioned that she was like turned on when uh she's like trying to help um Steve with uh in, like get improving his his business at the plant shop and all that yeah just so. making him a better person a business a businessman um, but it was just so weird because she's like turned on <laughs> like as she's talking about it, when she doesn't seem like it at all, and then out of nowhere, he like mentions something, and out of nowhere, she just gets on top of him. I'm like, oh, okay, like this is where that's going. <laughs> yeah, it, so. it, yeah, it. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how I feel about that scene. It, it was, <laughs> it was a little cringeworthy for me, you know. Uh, yeah. Not because like, oh, like Molly Shannon, she's not ugly, you know, but I, it, it's just like. <laughs> You stripped down that scene. You know, it was business talk, right? Uh, Steve was trying yeah. to set the movie. He was, like, kissing up on her, and she wasn't feeling that. Yeah. But you mentioned it. Like, the business talk was, like, getting her off, you know? Yeah. And uh, she climaxes to, to that, too. I'm just like, oh. it's like <laughs> well, that was extremely weird. So, yeah. So as, as perfect as she had seemed for Steve early on, we are starting to slowly see, as he is seeing, that clearly she is not all there. Yeah. Uh, she ends up kind of she's kind of controlling yeah yeah um so we get the the, the little scene of uh, Doug and Craig go clubbing and <laughs> I actually like this because as dumb as I thought Craig was he actually spouts out like a, a pretty in- intellectual line <laughs> mm-hmm. you know he uh, uses some big words because he felt that um 
you know, Doug was very demeaning to him. It's like, look, dude, you, you invited me out here and you're being being an ass, you know? Yeah. So uh, so that was kind of nice, you know, to, to see Craig, um, you know, be a little bit different than the way he was in the gym. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the uh, the toast scene? You know, where the we get the union of the Sanderson and the Butabi family. Oh, gosh. Um, huh. <laughs> That's where you I feel like that shows like what kind of uh, wife that Emily would be. Also, it foreshadows what she could be like as a wife. And so she was just kind of like um, uh, Steve's dad was doing a toast, I think. Mm hmm when it entered that scene and then um emily just kind of like forces uh steve to do a toast because she's she's just kind of mentioning it like you know all the men are doing a toast i think you should do a toast <laughs> and just like kind of forces him to say something and he like doesn't know what to say at all and he was like totally not feeling it and <laughs> he kind of kind of puts off a bad impression uh, for not only like his own grandparents, but for hers too. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe this scene was um, because I know that Chris Kattan and Will Ferrell had some writing credits to this too. I wonder mm -hmm. if this is something that Will Ferrell added himself because we get kind of a, a similar scene in like Talladega Nights, you know, where we get like the the you know they're saying grace, you know, at uh, mm -hmm. at lunch, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, that'd be very interesting to see what like parts that they actually write themselves. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, we uh, we obviously we we obvious we obviously see that Steve is starting to have second thoughts uh, about this. Um, so we get the wedding day, and you talked about uh, Ava Mendes, you know, being in here, and she's like one of the bridesmaids. <clears throat> mm -hmm. But also, we see Emily is you know, kind of high strung, right? She's a little bit like Bridezilla. She's yelling at the, uh, at her grandma at one point who was like, you know, mm -hmm. si sitting down while she's walking down the aisle. And, uh, what I did notice is that Steve hits on, uh, the bridesmaid, Ava Mendez. Yeah. And what that told me was that now he's kind of like snapped out of that funk, you know, that where, um, you know, he was kind of thought that he was in love with Emily and he kind of mm -hmm. reverted back to what we knew him as, right? Because he was like, what's yeah. up? You know, so he's back to old Steve at this point. So now, like, he's... So that's where we see the change in character is, is the the whole what's up. Like, just the two words. Now, mm -hmm. the part that kind of made me mad is the the part, the, the say anything moment. You know what I'm talking about? The movie Say Anything with John Cusack. Um, oh. So, you know, the scene where he's holding up the speaker... Mm -hmm. the, uh, uh, Doug that is so Doug comes out mm -hmm. of the guest house I, I guess I, I failed to mention that the the wedding was being held in the backyard and I did wonder I go I wonder if we're going to see Doug looking out the window or something yeah but they turn it up to 11 and they, they have Doug standing on the stairs holding up the a boom box you know mm -hmm. like in the movie say anything you know that iconic mm -hmm. scene right where like the guys outside the girls bedroom window exactly so they ripped right. that out that movie was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, mistaken, it was a, a Cameron Crowe movie. And then, uh, you know, I'm obviously jumping around here. We, we get uh, Doug and Steve actually making up. And then they follow it up with another James, I mean, James Cameron, uh, Cameron Crowe film, Jerry Maguire. Do you know what 
what line I'm talking about here? Where are you? No. Okay, so. Er, oh, oh, you had me at hello. Right. Um, <laughs> it, it starts with, you complete me. You complete me. Shut up. Just shut up. You had me at hello. So that's, yeah. So, so, um. So they, they, see, that's just what I was talking about. I mentioned that earlier. Like, I don't understand why they're making all these references. Um, yeah. Do they watch a lot of movies together? Is that why? And uh, they're, they're taking things from the movies. And I'm talking about the characters, too, not like the writers. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's just a lot of missed opportunities and things sprinkled in there where it just, you know, I, I just didn't quite understand it. But um, I thought it was funny that for whatever reason, Richard Grieco, uh, you know, uh, agrees to be like uh, a groomsman for Steve too. Yeah, that was kind of weird. It was weird, and then like he even has a sit down with like the, the dad. You know, he wants to um, help the dad understand Steve a little bit more. Yeah. You know? So so good on him. I mean, I, I thought that was interesting. But um, mm-hmm. so Doug and Steve, they they're back together again. They're at it. They're you know driving around town, and then they see a new club which they see dancing on the outside, which was one of Doug's ideas. And so they're interested. You know, they, they, they go inside. It's owned by Mr. Zadir. And without their knowing, apparently they're also like co-owners. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was weird that everybody seemed to know who they were when these guys yeah. didn't even know that they were like part owners. Yeah, it was kind of unrealistic. Like after the part where they checked to see if they were on the list to get in, like, you know, they're just kind of like, yeah, we're on the list, like when they weren't even really sure. And that part was believable because like the bouncer didn't know who they were. So he like sees that they're on the list and he lets them in. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, go right ahead. And then once they got into the club, it's like they were known somehow. Everybody. Yeah. And, you know, they kind of did what they did at uh, Zadir's club. You know, they're sprinkling in like a little idea here and there oh maybe you should add was it add ice to the drinks or no cherries oh, add cherries, add, cherries. Yeah. add ice well you know, some drinks you know <laughs> be better with ice um yeah yeah so you know l- l- little things like that um and then we i guess we end the movie with uh them running into the the credit vixen is that what he calls her mm-hmm yeah, yeah, so, you know, they're, they're talking, and then she, uh, you know, she recognizes the voice. And then she's like, oh, is that, did she call him by name, Doug, or? I think she just, um, she calls him uh, Card Swiper or something. Yeah. Some name. They cl- clearly recognize each other. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, so we get that call back from, you know, the times that Doug calls her, and then also, uh coincidentally her friend is the police officer that we met earlier and so i completely mm-hmm. forgot about that you know um, but see so that was a nice setup you know that uh, eventually he was supposed to go see her in court anyway so they bring that yeah. back full circle you know it's kind of a kind of a you know decent bookend uh, in my opinion yeah. but um you know so just some missed opportunities but there were some things to like for sure and i i, I liked how it ended um so so that's it did you have any last thoughts on the movie I like that they used what is love. That's kind of like a one hit wonder, but they use it like multiple times throughout the movie. They use it like four times, I think, in the movie. And I just liked that the ending where they played it. Then the the credit vixen was like, oh, I love this song. And then they just start doing the head bob 
like yeah so in the crowd. so they know this head bob too another one of those things right i, I said i already kind of don't like the synchronized dancing i get mm -hmm. it it's cute that um uh that the, the girls are female versions of them but i'm just like okay <laughs> come on like i would have preferred it to be the girls like see the guys head bopping look at each other and be like oh that's that's a cool move and then they just start yeah. doing that too but them to all be doing it at the same time i'm like all right you know Kinda unrealistic yeah so you know but it's a it's a saturday night live movie you know this is before they actually yeah. started kind of getting good right <laughs> at least i yeah. think um i'm a little scared to ask but do you want to get into ratings uh, out of five i'm doing a 3.5 because it's i mean it's I, an iconic movie for sure but i wouldn't say always for the best reasons um because I, I do get, like, a lot of crap for it, for it being, like, my favorite movie. Because, like, not everyone likes it. Um, and also, like we said before, the writer for the movie doesn't have a very good history of, you know, good movies. And um, also, like, just what you were saying with, like, overdoing the references and how they kind of ripped off some things. Um I can see that too. It makes it less organic, I guess. And then, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's not for everybody. So that's what I'm going to say about it. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I, I, I think I'm part of that. Uh, not for everybody. Uh, as far as a rating, I, I think, I think I'm going to have to give it a two and a half. Um, and I'll tell you why the, the last movie I reviewed, was uh, Surf Ninjas with uh, guest mm -hmm. Pialani. Uh, coincidentally, I don't, I don't remember if I mentioned this or not, but both movies, this movie, Night at the Roxbury, and also Surf Ninjas, share the same composer, like the music, um, music by David Kate, or mm. um, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but when I was looking up the credits, I go, wait a minute, this name looks familiar, but that's because I looked him up recently for Surf Ninjas. So it's it's got the same composer slash, you know, music by, he's the one who chose the, the music selection. Um, but the music's good. And I go with 2.5 because that's what I gave Surf Ninjas. And I can't say that this is better or worse because they both have its faults and they both had things to like about the movie. Mm -hmm. I mentioned that this movie had a lot of missed opportunities, uh, but again there was you know dewey you know i i liked that character i would like to see him more towards the end like what was the big deal why was he so um set on not allowing these brothers to have the meeting with mr zadir you know mo most of the jokes don't really hit home with me um mm -hmm. I, I can see it working with you because this is something you grew up watching you know you have uh you know, brothers that you always throw quotes at, right? This this yeah. is nothing that um, I feel like me and my friends actually uh, really watch. I, I didn't catch a lot of references from this movie that I hear outside of or like amongst my friends. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's usually uh, other movies like, you know, Anchorman, you know, for example, Talladega yeah. Nights, you know, some of the uh, later Will Ferrell movies. But I, I don't think there's any quotes in here at all that like me and my friends use. So would I watch this movie again? Maybe. I wouldn't I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't ever watch this movie again. I mean, if it's on TV and there's nothing to watch, I think this be, you know, one of those good uh, background movies, you know, just to have on. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you, you have people over and there's nothing on. 
you can throw a night of Roxbury on and because because then you'll get like some music right you'll get some of the, the dance music playing yeah. in the background and then once in a while you can look up and possibly laugh at something silly yeah you know so it is a silly movie but it's not a terrible movie it's just not a very good one but um mm-hmm. so i ho- hopefully i didn't hurt your feelings but no so th- th- that's it's not understandable too bad. yeah yeah so two and a half <laughs> and a three and a half so so we're averaging at three there uh for, for this mm-hmm. movie which I, I think is fair i, I think i'm to be had at like 6.1 so you know that's that's about uh, about right for the casual fans mm-hmm. but um yeah, that's it. Uh, so, so let's see. This movie was ninety eight. It's seventeen years later. It's crazy. Where are the Batabi brothers at this point? They're probably. I could imagine them having more clubs. Okay. Um. So, you, so see, they're successful. Yes, I could see. Um, I mean, like love, love wise. I don't really know. I don't know. Like I'm sure Emily is because she, uh, her and Craig are clearly happily ever after. <laughs> yes, yes, and they have infomercials, whatever. Oh, right. Whatever the heck that she was saying. Um, and then, uh, yeah, but I think the brothers. I don't really know where they are. You don't think they hook area. up with the, uh, the uh, the credit vixen and the cop? You don't think they're they married? They probably maybe? do. I'm. They probably do. Uh, I. I don't see it as like a long term thing though. I don't know, but um, they seem to have been perfect for each other at the end. Yeah, but it like the way they met each other, the way that they know each other is so brief. Like, I mean, Steve having that ticket, like, how is that going to affect his relationship with the cop? You know, it'd be a fun story to say, you know, to tell how they met. I guess they could tell it to their kids <laughs> and then. Yeah. yeah, and um, and it's funny because I I kind of compare like the way Doug met Credit Vixen, uh, it was like this day and age is Tinder, because it's oh, like all right they never met face to face before, so, <laughs> but yeah, so I could see them owning multiple clubs and uh eventually not be working under or working with Mister Zadir. I could see them being like successful and, um, you know, being independent. Yeah, interesting. Not working, not working at the plant store. So. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say that they they hooked up with those two. I mean, in this world, it it worked out because yeah. cause they're 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 perfect for each other. Uh, maybe they each couple has one kid, one you know, one boy, one girl. Who are mm-hmm. you know out and, you know so you got these new cousins that are doing the same thing right <laughs> so if there's a sequel you got the t- the two cousins that are trying to go kick it all the time yeah that that would be a boy and a girl yeah you know mix it up a little bit I mean yeah. w- what would you do would you do two girls would they I would do I think that would be a lot more interesting I guess you're right two girls okay let's go with that two the girls. the Tabi says uh, uh, cousins yeah. <laughs> yeah i can see that yeah. all right snl writers get on that that's actually a better idea than some of the things i've seen <laughs> <laughs> no not not so i don't, I don't know i don't you throwing shade yeah. so i was just kind of well that, that was free that was <laughs> that's free i don't need royalties off that okay so um yeah uh, i guess i guess that's it um emily do you want to throw out uh where listeners can find you 
So you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Vine at Emily Olsh. That's E-M-I-L-Y-U-L-S-H. And then on YouTube, you can just search Emily Olsh or Emily Olsh X5, all one word. Yeah, and if, if if anybody missed that episode or the introductory episode to you, you are a YouTuber, so definitely uh, just subscribe and check out the channel. Um, do you have your dancing clip on there, or is that Vine or Instagram? Dancing clip of me and my cat pajama. Yes. Thing. <laughs> yeah, I have it on Instagram. Well, there you go. So you so. want to see her get down, you know where to find it. <laughs> so we don't have any uh, new reviews today, but if... Um, you know, if there's any subscribers that have not yet left a review, please do so on iTunes and Stitcher, uh, which is also where you can find the show, obviously. But to get our latest content, you can visit followingfilms.com, where you can also find other shows like Pop Culture Case Study, War Machine vs. War Horse, Original Remake, which I uh, co-host with my buddy Mike, and also the True Bromance Film Podcast. Uh, you can find the Back to the Future Animated Series Podcast, where I host that with Albie at uh, barrenspace.com backslash BTTF, or again, on iTunes and Stitcher. And also, uh, the newest show that I've done with a previous guest, Devin, called We Got Five, where every week we pick a topic and we list our five favorites of that topic. And that can be found on iTunes and Stitcher or going to coretemparts.com. So, until the next episode, I'm Peter. And I'm Emily. And this is Hydrate Level 4. <laughs>